think I'm going to have to uh, change my message uh, significantly. Uh, apparently, during Mary's prayer, the rapture took place, and uh, Sue's the only one who disappeared. So, don't, uh, I don't know what that says about the rest of us, but I have to find a salvation text quick. Or I'll just stick with my notes. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. It's the longest uh, chapter in Scripture. It's about the Word of God. That by itself is instructive, actually. Of all the things that could have taken up the longest chapter in Scripture, the theme is Scripture itself. It's an exquisitely constructed poem. It's an acrostic. Uh, Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. And so you have 22 stanzas. Each stanza has uh, eight verses in it. And each of the eight verses per stanza starts with the relevant Hebrew letter. So for us, if we were to do this, you'd have, uh, in English, you'd have 26 stanzas. Uh, The first eight verses would all start with the letter A. The second eight verses would all start with the letter B. So this has been very carefully crafted, edited, worked over. It's been intentionally designed with care. We're just going to look at the second section, verses 9 through 16. This is the word of God. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Let's just take one uh, moment together to pray and ask the Lord's direction. Then we'll look at his word together. Father, we would ask uh, that you would now, by your Spirit, open your word to us. Uh, We are dependent on you. Uh, The psalmist asks you, Lord, to teach him your decrees. And so we we echo that this morning. Our our prayer is, uh, teach us your decrees. Teach us how to honor and love you. Teach us how to walk in the path you designed for us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this morning, as you know, uh, we had a baby education, and part of that is us as a church and as parents saying, we uh, want these children, of all the things we want them to know, there are lots of important things, you know, math and science and you know, philosophy and literature and music and all of the rest, of all the things we want them to know, the thing that is most important is we want them to know the way of the Lord. That's what we're going to teach them. Uh, in fact, Sunday school, in its Western permutation, used to be very, very different. Uh, Sunday school used to be, when it first started in the UK, uh, it was a school on Sundays. 
where Christians would find street children and teach them basic literacy. That's what it was literally a school on Sunday. And the reason that that was done was because the belief was, uh, of all the things literacy is supposed to accomplish, the number one thing literacy is supposed to accomplish is it's supposed to allow people to read the Word of God. So the focus was, God has revealed himself through Word. We need to be able to read to access it. Let's teach people how to read. That was what Sunday School originally was. This psalm celebrates the Word of God. And it engages in the Word of God in a variety of ways. I mean, it's highly crafted. In fact, if you pay attention to the, to the stanzas of eight, the eight verse sets, you can see that oftentimes there are themes sort of embedded in these eight verse sets. But if you take this psalm as a whole, one of the things that becomes pretty apparent is that the psalmist loves the Word of God, loves the law of God, wants to walk in it, that is, resolves to be faithful to keep it, recognizes he falls short and therefore needs course corrections every once in a while, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it, it's not a sign of failure to recognize that sometimes you need to make a course correction. It, it's part of walking with God. Uh, it's part of being imperfect. And so the psalmist is praying for forgiveness. The psalmist is saying, Lord, keep me from straying. Keep me obedient. Help me to keep my feet on this path. And if my feet have veered a little bit, or if, I've, if I've lost my orientation a little bit, then by your word and through your Holy Spirit, bring me back and help me to sort of focus again and to move forward, to keep moving forward on this path that you have for me. He wants to know God. And in wanting to know God, he realizes that to know God requires knowing God's revelation. God has spoken. And so if we are to know him, we can't really profitably do so by neglecting his word. So, verse 9 begins uh, with this wisdom question. It's a question for wisdom literature. How can a young person, and by extension, if a young person can keep their way pure this way, then so can an older person. Sort of taking the most vulnerable uh, people, the people of the, the least amount of life experience. How can these people keep their way pure or stay on the path of purity? It is worth saying at this time in the Western world, in our evangelical sort of nomenclature, uh, that purity is far, far, far more uh, than sexual morality. It's far more than that. Uh, it, it's unfortunate we've reduced purity in our day to the sexual domain. Uh, it has to do with overarching relationship with God, sort of who you are through and through, not just behavior in one particular moral element. So how can we actually live a life that's marked by purity or holiness? How can we live a life that's marked by righteousness? And the answer is very simple. It's by living according to God's word. That's it. If we want to live in a way which is pleasing and honoring to God, if we want to be righteous, we live according to God's word. He's told us how to do that. He's given us all that we need. Uh, when we teach systematics, uh, systematic theology, we talk about the attributes of Scripture, and usually in the evangelical world we talk about four of them. Uh, that, that Scripture is necessary for a knowledge of salvation. Uh, it's clear or... Um, uh, not meaning that every text is equally clear, but the basic message of Scripture is clear. It's authoritative because it comes from God. Uh, God is our authority, and it's sufficient. That is, 
the Bible gives you everything you need to live a life that's pleasing and honoring to God. Now, the Bible does not tell you every single thing you want to know. Uh, it does not speak to every exact circumstance, but even where, there are, where it does it, there are general principles that will apply. So the Bible is all that we need in order to actually honor God, if we would just live according to it. And that, that's, of course, that's a bit of the kicker, isn't it? Uh, is that there, there's this massive disconnect often between what we know we ought to do and what we actually do. And so we need God's help to actually live according to his word. Uh, we're, we're not only finite, but we are also sinful in the literal sense of full of sin. And so we need God's help in order to maintain uh, a walk with him. Now, this will be a lot easier if you actually desire God, which is what the psalmist does. In the next verse he says, I seek you with all my heart. There's a passion here. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, the things that are worth doing are, worth, are often worth doing passionately. Uh, there's too much apathy. And, and so to, to engage, he's engaged with God. I'm seeking you with all my heart. That is the fundamental part of who he is. Uh, this is not to be reduced to sort of our, our Valentine's Day image. This is, in Hebrew thought, the heart is, is the, the core identity. It's the core element of everything you are. It's your being. I seek you with the totality of my being. That's what he wants. And if you read through the rest of the Psalms, you know there, there are times when the psalmist feels that God's a, a million miles away. Uh, or where the psalmist feels that, you know, that he's crying out to God, how long, where are you, why? And there's all these questions. Sometimes it doesn't seem like God is present. But there are other times when God is a, is a very real and ever-present help in times of trouble. And you, you go to God and you feel that, that closeness. And because we're human, we drift in this, in our, in our walk with God. Sometimes he seems really close. Sometimes he seems really far. This is reality for us. One day it won't be. One day in the, in the new heavens and new earth, there will never be a sense of distance from God again. Never. It won't be a matter of two steps forward and, and 1.9 steps back, as it may so often seem for us today in our walk with God. It'll just be, just be ever more spiraling closer and closer and deeper and deeper into who God is. That's not quite our reality today. Uh, today, our, our, our passions wax and wane. There, there are times when we deeply feel a desire for God. But if we're being honest, uh, which, which is a dangerous thing to do. It's, it's far easier to be religious than honest. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes we actually don't want God too close to us. Sometimes we just, we just want to carve out a little bit of space. God, I, I want you to fix up my life mainly. In fact, I have the list of things I want you to take care of. These other things, let's just, let's just have some cushion here. You know, let, how about, how about you, you, you leave me alone in these areas? You know, the, the, the psalmist here is saying, Lord, I seek you with everything I am. The greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I seek you passionately with everything that I am. As a result, what did you want? Do not let me stray from your commands. In other words, you, you can't be drawing close to God and 
violating his law. Now remember, here's something else. I mean, this is the longest chapter in Scripture, and it's all about how much the psalmist delights in the law of God. In fact, uh, all of the, you get decrees, statutes, commands, word, precepts, these sorts of things. There's about eight Hebrew words which are used in this psalm uh, to describe the word of God. They're all roughly synonymous. I mean, people are trying to build a whole theology out of splitting up the differences. What's the difference between a precept and a decree? And what's the difference between a command? And, you know, look, 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 they're, they're synonyms. Uh, that's what they are. I mean, there may be ro- there may be slight shades of nuance, but you can't remotely build a theology out of this. Uh, it's just different ways, it's just different artistic uh, sounds, just different notes about the Word of God. And remember, what did the psalmist have? The psalmist has Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, maybe some of the other stuff. I don't know. That's about it. Oh, I mean, when's the last time? I said, oh, God. I'm so overwhelmed by my, by my utter desire to read and love and cherish numbers. You know, that's what this guy's doing. I love your law. Oh, man. I have a free evening and a copy of Deuteronomy. Like, this is the best. You know, like, this is what I live for. You know, finally to get into the law of God. But why does he love the law of God? He loves the law of God because he loves God. It's God's word. He, he pours over the letter because he loves the sender. He loves the one who has spoken. We have the gospel of John. We have the new covenant. We have scriptures that identify the Messiah. We have the book of Ephesians. Should, should not be possible for an old covenant believer to love Leviticus more than we love the New Testament scriptures. How could that be? The only way that could be is if we don't actually seek God with all of our heart. That's the equation. If you seek God, you will delight in his word. I want to be very careful. This is a negative inference, but... I think if we don't delight in the law, or if we don't delight in God's word, it's symptomatic of failure to actually seriously seek God. Now, I've had the privilege over the last number of years of teaching a variety of courses uh, at uh, Heritage and Toronto Baptist Seminary. Last year, uh, so just about a year ago, it would have been like 11 and a half months ago, because it was the last uh, class in, the, in this fall semester. And so I have two classes left this semester, so probably about 10, you know, a year minus 10 days ago. Uh, I just finished teaching my Old Testament course at TBS. And I often have a variety of thoughts in my mind when I've done a course. One is usually, oh my goodness, I can't believe people pay for this, right? Uh, and, And then... I usually think about, oh, you know, it didn't get channeled that passage very well. So this is the like Old Testament class. And, and you know, it, that, that last day for Old Testament would be the Minor Prophets, the Book of the Twelve. Because the Minor Prophets really actually is one book in one sense. And so you're working through the Book of the Twelve. Oh, there's so much material. I should have covered this. I didn't talk about that. I got, uh, no one in this room will believe this. I'm like, I, I got on a bunny trail, and then you lost my train of thought, and didn't do this, and I thought I'd, I thought I'd cover all 12, and I only covered, I don't know, Hosea chapter 1, and like that was not very good, and so all of these, 
all these thoughts. Right? Think about these students. You know, these students. Some of them are excelling. Some of them have have difficulty. You know, so so all of these things. And you think, well, a year ago, leaving TBS, just finished this this semester long run through the Old Testament. I'm on the gardener, and and what am I thinking? I'm thinking about the glory of the text. You know, God, the students, theology. What what is in my mind? as a professor who's just finished a course of the Old Testament. Well, it was this. I was thinking, all right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flows like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and all glow. To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up the stage, watch it jump like a candle. Dance. Rush the speakers that boom. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best is a felony. Love it or leave it. You better gain weight. You better hit bullseye. The kid don't play. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook when my DJ revolves it. Ice, ice, baby. <laughs> Now that the party is jumping, <laughs> with a bass kicked in and the fingers are pumping, quick to the point, to the point, no faking, cooking MCs like a pound of bacon, burning them, get quick and nimble. I go crazy when I hear a cymbal and a hi-hat with a souped-up tempo. I'm on a roll. It's time to go solo. Roll it in my 5.0 with my rag top down so my hair can glow. The girls on standby wave you to say hi. Did you stop? No, just drove by, kept on, pursuing to the next stop. I busted a lot, but I headed to the next block. The block was dead, y'all, so I continued on to A1A Beachfront Avenue. This line has to be slightly edited for church. Driving Lamborghinis, jealous, cutting out, getting mine, Shay with a gauge of vanilla with a nine. Ready for the chumps on the wall. The chumps acting nimble because are full of eight ball gunshots. Rang out with a bell. I got my nine, all I heard were shells falling on the concrete real fast. Jumped in my car, slammed on the gas. Bumper to bumper, the avenue's packed. I'm trying to get away before the jackers jack. Police on the scene. You know what I mean? They passed me up, confronted all the dope fiends. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook when my DJ revolves it. Now, <laughs> you may. <laughs> the editing gets a little trickier in the third line, but it starts with the immortal poetic phrase, take heed, because I'm a lyrical poet. It's phenomenal. And of course, in this, and the song ends with the immortal closing. Come on, man. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Word to your mother. <laughs> so you, you just can't go wrong. I mean, this, is, this is fantastic. And you might say, why? Why on earth would anyone, in any circumstance, ever be thinking that? Well, I don't know. Uh, yo. Um, but... Years before, uh, when I was in high school, remember there was a, a group of athletes uh, who were all hanging out and uh, remembering some of these sort of one-hit wonder songs, and we were sort of laughing about them a little bit, and and it, it, it slightly, slightly uh, increased your social cachet uh, if you could remember them. And so I was like, well, I'll I'll just learn one. So I knew the song a little bit. And so I just, I, I memorized it. Now, how do you do that? Well, I memorize things by 
repeating them again and again and again and again and again and again and again. I actually don't have a very good memory. I have to work hard. So I walk almost every day, sometimes by myself, sometimes walking the dog. And what I'll do is if I want to memorize something, I'll go and I'll recite it. And then I'll build on that. So I'll learn a verse of something, a line of something, a poem or whatever. Say it. Uh, and, and just so you know, just in case you think this is the only thing that I do, uh, it was delightful for me this week uh, when we actually had snow on the ground to be able to go for a walk through a little little bit of woods in my uh, suburb, which is devoid of trees except this one little patch, uh, and to see snow inside, or snow in the woods, and be able to sort of, again, oh, for the first time in, since last winter, to actually have a context uh, in which reciting you know, Robert Frost, talking by woods on a snowy day, makes sense, right? So there's a variety of things you can learn for a variety of reasons, but it's just a matter of repetition. Now, I learned Vanilla Ice 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 Baby, in order to make some friends laugh. How many of you could get up right now and recite an equivalent amount of scripture from your memory? Your word I've hid in my heart so that I might not sin against you. We will learn things for all kinds of reasons. There is nothing better than the Word of God. This is not merely about memorization, though. This is about practice. I have hid your Word in my heart. That is, not just in my mind, but in who I am, the core part of my being, I have put your word. That's where I want your word. Not floating lightly in my head. This is not a matter of being able to, to just recite verses. How can someone keep their way pure? By living according to your word. This is practice. Uh, one of the things that has disillusioned me for Sunday school for all time, by the way, uh, was when I was in grade four, five, six, I can't remember which one. Um, our Sunday school teacher said, that we were going to have a contest, and whoever memorized the most Bible verses was going to get a chocolate bar. And, and so, motivated sheerly for a chocolate bar, I memorized a song, 22 verses. The next nearest kid did a Bible memory plan and memorized 20. So I won. I won that contest. And so I show up, I quote my 22 verses, I win, and the teacher gives me a chocolate bar. And thank you, I have earned this. And then the teacher gave everyone a chocolate bar. I was like, this is a ripoff. Like, I, this is utterly ridiculous. It is, it is, like, you're trying to be gracious and merciful. Backfires. I'm bitter against Sunday school for the rest of my life now because you set me up. I wouldn't have bothered learning this. Even scripture can be learned for selfish reasons. Even scripture can be learned just to win theological arguments. Even scripture can be learned because in certain circles where reciting vanilla ice does not raise your social cachet, maybe having insightful biblical comments to make at small groups do. It's all cultural. It's your subculture. And so we can study and we can learn. We can even take degrees in order to impress. Not the world, but just the little group of people we're trying to be impressive to and for and about. I've hidden your word in my heart. It's safe there. I'm, I've kept it there. 
because I don't want to sin against you. I want to praise you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. I think there's an understanding here. There's a recognition that uh, the best learning takes place in a context of praise, interestingly enough. That we are to be a community who praises because it's as we are praising God that we will desire to learn more about him. And we recognize, too, that we need to be taught. I'm not sure how many of you ever struggle. I do. Uh, truthfully, truthfully, there are so many things in the Bible I read, and I just don't know what this means. I don't know what this means. I don't know how to apply it. Lord, teach me your decrees. I need help. I don't get this myself. I need you to teach me. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from me. That's that repetition. How do you know? How do you memorize the word of God? How do you hide the word of God in your heart? You keep going over it. So you read it, then you read it again, then you read it again, then you read it again, then you read it again. You talk about it, you recite it, you think about it. That's how you know it. I mean, I really believe, just like just like a lot of us, like we expect one day we're just going to fall out of bed and we're going to be able to run a marathon without ever doing any training. You know, or one day we're just going to fall out of bed and we're going to be in really good shape without ever going to the gym. I know, like, like it, it, it's a dream. I mean, it, it happened to me, uh, but it's not going to happen to most of us. You just sort of fall out of bed and like, wow, look at, look at that muscular frame. Where did that come from? You know, you know you have to work. But somehow it's like we feel like we're going to fall out of bed one day and, and just, oh, I'm just going to be godly. I bet tomorrow I'm going to fall out of bed and I'm just going to know the Bible. No, it's, it's daily discipline. That's how you grow. Asking God to teach you. Repetition. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I talked about this actually last week with Proverbs. The word of God is better than money. I meditate on your precepts. I, I think about it. I, I'm not going to ask. A lot of you have been doing uh, the one-year Bible reading program. I bet, I bet, if you're anything like me, there are times you have done your day's reading, closed the book, and immediately, if, if you had to, if you were quizzed on the basic content of what you just read, you'd have no idea. No idea. That's why for a lot of us in a Bible reading program, like if you don't put a bookmark in, that's a test for you, don't put a bookmark in. Then just find your place on the basis of content. Do you remember reading the day before? Here's something you, you want to, if you want to read like the whole Bible in a day, don't eat until you find a passage you remember reading. You just keep backtracking. I'm going to keep reading until I look hit a place where I remember I've read, then I'll move on. Uh, we don't meditate. We, the, the Puritans talked about uh, reading the Bible like letting water pass through a pipe. Basically, we just turn on the tap, it flows out, we shut off the tap, it's gone. It was flowing through, but it's gone. I meditate. I slow down. I consider your ways. I actually think about it. That's what we need to do. We need to read and, and consciously remind ourselves, what did I read? I delight in your decrees. I love it. I love your word. As a result, I will not neglect your word. If you delight in God, you will delight in his word, and if you delight in his word, you won't neglect it. We don't, we don't neglect the things we delight in. But again, there's a recognition here that we need God's help. The psalmist throughout the psalm will rejoice in the word of God, he'll resolve to, fellow, to follow God, and he'll repent of his failure uh, at different times, looking for restoration 
reconciliation, redemption. Lord, pick me up. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he falls, though he will, he will fall, but though he falls, he will not be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. In other words, we're going to stumble. We're going to fall down on the path. That's, that, that is going to happen. It's not a contingency. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. It will happen. But God in his grace, part of the law, was providing sacrifices of atonement and restoration of fellowship. God picks you back up, dusts you off, kisses the boo-boo, and says, all right, off we go again. There's still a big adventure for you. Uh, There's still a lot out there for you. You're not done. So get back to it. Start, Start quarrying for the treasure. Start searching for the bounty. It's all here. It's all given to you by me as a gift. And a gift of grace. God is so good and so gracious to have revealed himself to us by his word and to have called us into a relationship with him. Let's not neglect it. Let's delight and let's get following the Lord together. I'm going to ask your musicians to come and lead us in our closing song.